Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. You loved us so much. We thank you for your love. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit of God pours out the love of God in our hearts so that we can say, Abba, Father, what a joy to be adopted children of God. What a joy to know that we have a new way to have a relationship with you because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and his sacrifice for us. We thank you, Lord, for this evening, and we thank you for the opportunity we have again together in this place. And just to, again, pause and look at your word and be encouraged, we thank you for these, these ones who share with us every week, who lead us in worship and praise. Bless them. Bless their time and sacrifice for doing this and putting their whole heart into it, and I'm so thankful for them. We pray for those who are not able to be with us tonight in person, but are able to join us electronically, and we pray a blessing on all of them, whatever their circumstances and condition might be. We ask for those who have, of us who are here present in person, may we, also, may we also sense and know that you are here with us and that you will teach us by your Holy Spirit from the Word of God. So now, Lord, we pause to pray for our world for the lostness and the brokenness and the sadness and the fear and terror on every side, young and old alike, all around us. We pray for our world, not just for the United States of America. We pray for the world. We know that you love the world and you sent the Lord Jesus so that people might be saved. Oh, help us as your people here in Dixon to be responsible for our part in sharing the gospel. May this church be a gospel-sharing church. May it truly become a part of who we are. May you burden us for one person or friend as we've done already this year. We have our one that we're praying for to be saved. We present that person to you tonight. They may be far away from you, and they may be in open rebellion, but we pray, nevertheless, that they would be saved. So in our prayer time tonight, we lift up our lost and broken world, and then we present to you our lost and broken family and friends who so desperately need Jesus and the strangers we pass on the road and in the store and those we work with. So tonight, help us to see and be encouraged by Paul the Apostle's example of putting the gospel first in his life, above everything else. May we learn from that. It may be true for us in our own experience of walking with you. We love you and we thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. And if you have been with us on Wednesday nights, you know that we... Uh, we give you provide an outline for you, and I hope that you pick that up on your way in. If you watch us online, I do want to remind you that if you go to the website, First Baptist Church website, and go down to the uh, go down to the uh, section of, of regarding tonight's message, you can download or you can click on that on your computer, and it will pull up the outline, and you can follow along there. 
So tonight we want to read uh, this wonderful, encouraging letter from Paul the Apostle to his dear friends at the church at Philippi. We're going to read verses 1 through 20 just to get this back in our mind tonight as we think about uh, this very important truth that God uses all uh, the circumstances in our lives as believers for the progress of the gospel. Let me say that again. We learn tonight from listening to Paul's testimony. This is what's so good about Philippians. It's a book where Paul just is so transparent. Uh, some argue that uh, 2 Corinthians may be the most uh, open Paul is about. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul focuses a lot on his ministry life and on his ministry and how he does it and explains to them. But I don't believe there's any, any New Testament book that reveals more of the heart of Paul the Apostle. And I hope it shows the kind of heart we need to have as believers in Jesus Christ. He is so open and it's a, it's a joy to read this little letter. So Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how I long for you with all, uh, with, long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the Word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ uh, even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only in that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation 
and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight in these wonderful, precious moments we have together around your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, God uses all the circumstances in the believer's life for the progress of the gospel. Do you ever wonder about the progress of the gospel in our day? Does it ever cross your mind? Do we think this is some assignment to the preachers or missionaries or uh, to the Southern Baptist Convention or to other denominational, uh, Christian denominational groups and leaders? Do you ever think about individually, personally, you? Do you ever think about, does it ever cross your mind, the progress of the gospel in our days? Let me make it more personal. When was the last time you thought about the soul of your children and grandchildren? When was the last time you, oh, we worried about their health and their teeth and, their, and all the rest of the things we got to do and their schooling and their education and all those things are important. But when was the last time you thought about your child's soul or your grandchild's soul? You see, that has to do with the progress of the gospel the good news of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you ever wonder about, well, from the, from the world's point of view, the church is about in, <laughs> insignificant as can be and marginalized and unimportant. And all of you are a group of people who, like myself, have been fooled. And sadly, we're, we have a lot of emotional issues and we have to do these things to prop ourselves up. So from the world's point of view, the gospel's going nowhere and it's declining and marginalizing and going away. Sadly, some preachers talk the same way. But the Word of God is, uh, the Word of God is not bound by cultures and circumstances and, nor by the devil. The Word of God and the gospel moves on. And the gospel is having its way and work in the world today. I want you to think about this now. Paul is, this is one of the, what's called the prison letters of Paul. So here's this man who has all this power and energy and, and knowledge. I mean, a Hebrew of Hebrews, wise beyond imagination, just an amazing man, so equipped. And here he is sitting in jail in Rome. What kind of plan does God have locking up one of his best guys? Does the Lord know what He's doing? If He wants the gospel to be shared, what's He doing with all of us? Why in the world would you put your people through so much if you want them to share the gospel? Well, what I love about Paul the Apostle is he put first things first. And I'm asking you if you're putting first things first. Some of you have been around a long time. Some of you have been listening to preachers for a long time, reading your Bible for a long time. I'm asking you tonight, when was the last time you personally thought about the gospel and sharing the gospel with somebody else? Well, that's all of our responsibility, not just mine. They're not going to all show up at the church house to hear Pastor Mike or turn on the electronic means and do it. They're just not going to do it. They're not interested in it. You're going to have to go see them where you are at your job, uh, those, those dear neighbors of yours, 
that are around you. You've got to share the gospel with them. I want us to think tonight about the progress of the gospel, and I want you to think about your part in the progress of the gospel. This is what, this is what Paul's saying to his friends at the Philippian church. Notice what he had said. Just a background before we get into some of these observations I have for you. Notice he says in verse 3, I thank God in all remembrance of you. He didn't just have a warm-heartedness about them. He didn't just like them because they were... You know, Sometimes uh, preachers will preach this like, well, you know, the Philippians really treated Paul good, and so that's why he liked them the best. That, that's the farthest thing from what he's saying here. <laughs> he's saying... I thank God in all remembrance of you, verse 4, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you. Why? In view of your participation in the gospel. They got out there and shared the gospel in Philippi in some rough conditions along with Paul. From the first day they came to know Christ until then, they were sharing the gospel. The people of the church, are you listening? They were out there alongside Paul and Timothy and these others who were there, and they were sharing the gospel. They were participating in the sharing of the gospel. They were, as I would say on my outline tonight, and as Paul says, they were, they were sharing the gospel so that the gospel would, be, would advance and, and progress forward. We talk about things being progressiveness in these days. There's nothing more glorious than to see the gospel Moving along, who would have thought that the gospel would have even made it out of the first century with the lack of resources and people and all the rest that the early church had? And here we are, 2021, standing here, opening the Word of God and talking about these things and reading our brother Paul as he talks about this. They, he loved them because they participated in the gospel. Go on over uh, to uh, verse number uh, 7. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in my, in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you were all partakers of grace with me. We're all in it together, Paul says. This is what we're here to do as the church. I hope you hear my heart on this. I love you in the Lord Jesus. I love you. I love all of you who are hearing me tonight. And those of you who will listen to this later. Uh, but I want you to know, there's no joy greater than being together in the sharing of the gospel. You know, when I was a boy, I played ball and athletics. And, and uh, you know, when you, play, when you play on a team, whatever the sport, uh, you, you're out there in it. You're in the game. Now you've got all these people sitting on the sidelines or up in the stands, and they all have an opinion about what you ought to be doing in the game. And in a ball experience, they're going to tell you. Sometimes they don't say it very nice. Sometimes they say they distract you. They get, but you see, those who are in the game, when you go in at the break, at halftime or whatever the game might be, and you take a break, you know what you enjoy together? You enjoy fellowship because it's something you're doing together. Are you hearing me? That's what it means for the church to share the gospel. We all do it together. I go to my friends. You go to yours. We share the gospel. We bring them to the church. We train them. We do whatever we have to do because the priority of life is sharing the gospel. Oh, by the way, this is the interesting thing here. As we begin verse number 12, here, we, here Paul says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances... Oh, here we go. He's about to... He's about to, the violin's going to start playing. The sadness is going to come about how sad he's being treated. 
That's what I hear a lot of church house about how sad everything is. And all my circumstances are so terrible. There's nobody talking about the gospel. We're not up here as a, as a social gathering just to talk about our little problems with each other. We're here because we've been assigned by the Lord Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. And to advance the gospel in our generation. That includes to your children and your grandchildren, my children, my grandchildren, and children's children. Until we have no more life in us. I'm asking you tonight as we start this, to see how Paul's focus was on the gospel. Here's what he was concerned about. Am I going to be able to do the job God called me to do on the road to Damascus, sitting in this jail? Are you going to be able to do the job of sharing the gospel in the circumstances you're in? And everybody here in this room and those of you listening to me and hearing my voice, you all have circumstances as a believer in Jesus Christ that you have to battle and deal with. We all have troubles and trials in this world. If you're waiting for your period of having only sunshine, you're waiting and you've been fooled. We serve the Lord out of our afflictions and our pains and He supplies the need for it. But we stay focused on this. The one who saved us, we now share with others that they might be saved. Don't you want somebody that you know to experience what you have experienced in knowing Jesus Christ? Surely your answer is yes. So we, Paul begins by saying in verse number 12 that my, my circumstances actually of being in jail have turned out, look at this, for the greater progress of the gospel. I hope that every one of us in this room can say the same about our condition. I want you to do some, uh, some, look at some things with me for a moment. I want you to see this whole matter of the progress of the gospel and how God's designed it to be done. Take your Bible, go over to Luke chapter 21. I'm going to introduce this idea and I've got a little time to develop this and I want you to stay with me. So it's interesting, Paul says here, I want you to know, Philippians, that my circumstances, my, my imprisonment has turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Now in Luke chapter 21, we have the Lord Jesus beginning to talk about the things that are to come, the last things, the things that are going to happen before he returns. And the Lord begins by talking about various things in 10 and 11, but he picks up and he says directly to his disciples, before all these things, they will lay their hands on you. Now, how do you like this as an encouragement before before your leader ascends to heaven. But the Lord Jesus always tells us the truth. They'll lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the, to, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, br bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. But notice the next phrase of the Lord, verse 13. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. That's it right there. My circumstances in the hospital lead to my opportunity for a testimony for Jesus. My opportunity when I have uh, some trouble with my children leads to the opportunity for my testimony for Jesus. My uh, opportunity and struggle at work with people that are unreasonable and bosses that expect too much leads me to the opportunity to share my testimony 
what my life was like before I knew Jesus Christ, how I came to know the Lord and what my life is like now. That's the, that's the essence of your testimony and mine. Before I was saved, how I got saved and what I'm like now. You see, this is important. This is the Lord's way. They're going to put you, you, you followers of Jesus, they're going to squeeze you down. They're going to put pressure on you in all kinds of ways to conform to the world. And when you don't, they're going to do things horrible to you. And that's your opportunity to share your testimony. Then I also read to you from uh, Acts chapter 28. This is so good to read because here's Paul in imprisonment, this very imprisonment. And the, the, uh, the idea of many is that after these words at the end of Acts 28, Paul was released and then imprisoned again, not recorded in Acts. And then that's when he was martyred. But we read here in verse 30, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters. So he was under house arrest. This turned out to be to his advantage in Rome. He, he, he uh, was there and he stayed two full years, this is Acts 28, 30, in rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. So he had a rented house. He had a place to stay. He was, yes, he was still under house arrest. The Roman soldiers were there hearing the gospel. One shift after another. One shift after another. You know, after a while, Paul got to know a lot of Roman soldiers. It's kind of interesting that the gospel rapidly spread through the Roman army. We're told in history. Just an accident? No, don't think so. Can you imagine one of those rough... Roman soldiers having to listen to another whole shift of Paul talking about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Notice, he was welcoming all who came to him and for two years preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this, with all openness unhindered. That's what Paul's saying here now. That's what you and I must do. We must learn how to share whatever conditions we find ourselves in. You know, a lot of us spend a lot of time complaining and crying to God about our troubles and circumstances because we want them to be something else. We forget that you must give thanks for all things. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rather than saying, praise God. I have the opportunity in my circumstances to share my testimony with openness unhindered. One of my friends was on a, a construction crew. They were doing road construction. And he was a younger man. And he was, he, was, uh, he was doing ministry. He was preparing for ministry. And this was his summer job. And so he, would, he was, uh, the, he was uh, the younger guy. But they always put him with... Uh, this was down in uh, Texas, and they would always put him with an older fellow, and they had to go in the truck and, uh, you know, and, and go to the road crew. And at first, he was so aggravated because he had to go do that job. And then after a while, he realized, I've got 35 minutes each way to share the gospel and talk about Jesus with this guy. And it was amazing how many different guys wanted to uh, change him over and let him ride with somebody else because he kept doing it with all of them. He shared the gospel. Riding down the road in between putting asphalt down on a Texas highway. Somewhere out around Beaumont or somewhere. If you've ever been there, no offense to any Texans, there's nothing there. So here's Paul. Here's Paul. I want you to know 
I want you to know, my Philippian friends, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ, here it is, has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard. It's interesting, by the 4th century, you know, Rome, uh, Rome was around for a long time as, a, as an empire. Uh, many, many years. 1,200 years. It's interesting, this, this, this uh, Praetorian Guard moves through the whole thing until the days of, I'm not going to try to bore you with too much history, but Constantine finally got tired of them because they became too political. Uh, because they were all of these Praetorian Guards were assigned to, uh, to the governors and to the, uh, the, the government officials for security. They're like the Secret Service. They were influential. They, they had all kinds of opportunities to go in and out among the government officials. And so, lo and behold, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. All the Praetorian Guard, all of them, all know that I'm in jail. Why is he in jail? Why is that Jew in jail? And you're not here, a Roman soldier. Why is this Jew in here rattling on and on, going on and on about this? What? Because of Jesus Christ. Who? Ah, Jesus Christ. The one we crucified. Who this man says is risen from the dead. Who is God in the flesh. You see where it goes. Oh, it's turned out for the best well-known through all the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. You see, the governor's house and all those in the area and all across the palace and even among Caesar's own household. What happens? Are you all listening to me? The seeds of the gospel get planted. That's how the gospel spreads. We sometimes think that it takes some, and I wish I could say this to all of our church sometimes, we got to have some big meeting in order to do this. No, we, we cast seeds every day. We share gospel seeds wherever we go. Yes, we want to have those kinds of meetings when it's appropriate, when it needs to be done, and we should think about it and pray about it, but we have the opportunity. Here's Paul casting gospel seeds. What more influential place to be than Rome, the center of the entire world. They ruled most of the world at the time, and he is sharing Jesus Christ and his testimony right in the middle of it. Paul's imprisonment had become well known to the Praetorian Guard and why he was in prison. He wasn't there as a common criminal. He wasn't there as a thief. He wasn't there as a murderer. He was there as a, a gospel preacher. Third, many of the believers had courage to share the gospel without fear because of Paul's imprisonment. Look at verse 14. He says, And most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. They saw Paul sharing the gospel, and they shared the gospel. And then he goes into this uh, little section about those who were preaching Christ. Now let me say this. When you share the gospel with your friend, you are preaching Christ. It is the word to proclaim. 
Yes, I'm preaching in a different way when we're here in this building and the way we do it. But when you share your testimony with someone else, you're preaching Christ to them. Remember when Philip joined the chariot of the Ethiopian going back to his home after the day of Pentecost and was reading Isaiah's scroll and it says he read it and he said, who's this talking about? We was reading about the Lord Jesus, the suffering servant, and it says Philip joined him in the chariot and preached Christ to him. Doesn't mean he got up flailing around and hollering. and He preached, he declared, he proclaimed Jesus Christ to him. Look, when you talk to your friends and you see and you ask them how they are, don't miss your opportunity. Don't be afraid to bring Jesus Christ into your conversation. What are they going to do to you? I'll tell you what they might do is thank you. They might thank you that at least one person cares about their soul. This is very important for us. Some preach the gospel because they envied Paul's reputation. Paul says that in 15. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even out of envy and strife. But some also for goodwill. Some preach the gospel um, because they were opposed to Paul. They envied him or they were, they were opposed to him. They were, they were better at preaching than he was. Who's this Jew in here in Rome? We could do a better job. We don't need him around here. This, this, the church at Rome was already in existence. Paul gets there. He didn't found the church. What do we need this fellow here doing this for? Who is he coming from Jerusalem over here? Some preach the gospel from goodwill, Paul says in verse 15 and 16. Look at this. From goodwill. I hope that's the way you share the gospel. Do you share the gospel with goodwill? Or do you share with someone about Jesus because you have some personal motivation? You want to be known as a real spiritual person because you tell people about Jesus. Well, that's pride. Or do you do it out of goodwill and out of obedience to the command we have from our Lord to go? Well, you see, follow this along now. Uh, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. They join in with their partner, Paul. As Paul's sharing the gospel, they preach. And so I love this phrase that he says, that the brethren, trusting because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I hope that you will speak the word of Jesus Christ and the gospel with your friends and your neighbors and your work partners without fear. Without fear. Some preach the gospel from selfish promotion and recognition, verse 17. Uh, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than, uh, rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. So then he, he draws this conclusion. Paul rejoiced in the preaching of the gospel, regardless of the motivation of people who preach. Notice he doesn't say they're preaching a false gospel. They're preaching the gospel. What is it? You remember 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. The gospel. They declared the gospel. That's what we must share with our friends. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He was dead. But He rose miraculously from the dead to overcome death. And the power of sin is paid for so that you can be saved and you can be freed from slavery to sin. Well, Paul was rejoicing because regardless, as he says here, look at it, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. 
how we ought to rejoice when all of us join in sharing the gospel in our own way. Some of, our, some of my dearest friends, uh, older friends through the years in different places have said to me, Oh, Pastor Mike, I can't share the gospel. I, I don't know what to say, but their life was such a blessing and joy. The way they lived, they lived they lived in such a way that people could see Jesus in them. All they had to do was just talk to someone about how Jesus Christ had changed their life. They, didn't ha they were worried about the verses and they were worried about how to take their Bible. That's the next step. The first step is just as the Lord said to those disciples in Luke 21. Your circumstances, are you listening to me tonight, church? Your circumstances will lead to the opportunity for your testimony. Your testimony about what Jesus Christ has done in your life matters. It matters what God has done in your life. It matters how long you have walked with God. It matters how He has helped you overcome sin in your life. It matters the ways in which He has blessed you. You must, be, you must do this. You must in every way in goodwill, with a desire to join others around the world in sharing the gospel, whether in pretense or truth, verse 18, Christ is proclaimed. That's it. We must. So what is the progress of the gospel? What's it, what's it tied to? It's tied to the proclaiming of the gospel. Let me read again to you what I've read, what I've read to you before. On Sunday mornings, it seems for forever, we've been thinking about the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what did Paul say at the beginning of 1 Corinthians? I didn't have it in your notes, but it's 1 Corinthians. You know these verses, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the word of the cross, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Listen, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Never underestimate your opportunity to share your testimony of how Jesus Christ has changed your life. That's how the gospel progresses. Through God's people sharing as they go. What happened to the early church? Why thousands were coming. They were having great meetings and the Holy Spirit of God was saving in the Jerusalem church right after the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Peter preaches, thousands are saved, thousands are saved. And then lo and behold, a persecution breaks out and scatters them all. What is God doing? I mean, he's got a crowd together. He's got a nucleus. And now all of a sudden he breaks it all apart. Oh. Maybe perhaps these, this last year of crying and whining about all of our separation rather than our gathering... We had the opportunity to share the gospel and perhaps we missed it. You see, the church gathers and the church scatters. The church gathers and the church scatters. Well, Paul's scattered from his brothers and sisters at Philippi, but if they're all doing the same thing that they've been called to do, guess what? The gospel moves ahead. This is so important for us to know the mind of God. Paul was confident that he would be released from prison because of the prayers of God's people. He says... And I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So he, Paul says he's confident of his release because God's people were praying for him 
and also praying for him in his circumstances as he shared the gospel, and the Lord was going to provide for him. That's what we must do for each other. I have to pray for you as you go to your jobs. Many of you share with me privately about things you're dealing with and trying to share the gospel at your job. Uh, sometimes your job and workplace is hostile to this. Sometimes you have to be, uh, you have to obey God rather than man, and you have to do it in such a way that you honor the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're trying to do it. We have to pray for one another in our circumstances as we seek to share the gospel. And there's not any two of you in this room who have the same issues related to, to, that force you or put pressure on you not to share the gospel. And then finally, Paul has this eagerness and hope in his life. Look at the hope. Here is this. I mentioned to you last week the warm-heartedness of Paul. That's what I want in my life. You see, when you have a living relationship with Jesus Christ, he keeps your heart warm. You know how you get cold-hearted? When you don't spend time with God. That's where it goes. The fire goes out. You dry up. You hang around with the world too much. You play around with sin and compromise. And you put a little of the world in with a little of your relationship to God and it'll never work. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It quenches the Holy Spirit of God. And you get cold. Paul had an eager confidence. He was not talking about his circumstances and what he needed here. He was talking about the most important thing, sharing the gospel. I may say this to you, and I want you to hear me. You may still be alive because God wants you to share the gospel with somebody he's been asking you to share the gospel with, and you won't do it. Whatever your circumstances are, share the gospel. Give your testimony. Paul had an eagerness and an expectation about him. What, what, I wish we could carry this in our hearts. 20, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope. What is it, Paul? That I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now Listen, even now in my circumstances, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Do you live like that? Well, that's just for preachers. No, this isn't just for preachers. He's writing it to his brothers and sisters in Christ in the church as an example for them of how to live. Do you have a hopeful expectation in your life? You know, I mentioned this last Sunday. I'm going to come back to it this Sunday about... The best is yet to come. Eye has not seen, ears not heard. All that God has prepared for those who love Him. You think this is the best? You think Dixon County is the best? You think what you've got is the best? Somebody's fooled you. The gospel's all about becoming like Jesus Christ and leaving here and going there to the eternal place of glory and being glorified and being in the presence of the Lord Jesus where there are pleasures forever and fullness of joy. I'm about to get going on something else. i got to stay on this. But because of that, Paul says, I have this confidence and a boldness that no matter what's going on in my life, I will, I, as always, that God will be, Christ will be exalted in my body whether I'm dead or alive. Now, I get to my things to remember. I have a lot of them. And so how do we apply this 
section to this. This is what things to remember is all about. It's application. So God works in His people through all their circumstances to advance the gospel. I've said that repeatedly. Number two, the progress of the gospel is not stopped or frustrated by the troubles of God's people. Sometimes we pray and we pray, oh Lord, do you not know what's happening to your people? Like the Lord doesn't know. He knows what's happening. He knows where He's directing His people. He knows what He's putting His people through. He knows what He's causing them to have to endure. Think about the first apostles as they scattered around the world with no resources except the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the words of Jesus Christ emblazoned in their mind supernaturally so they could preach the gospel. Unbelievable where we are today because of that. There's nothing that can stop the gospel. He will have a witness in this world. Be still and know that I am God, for I will be exalted in the earth until the day of Jesus Christ. And Paul's already said that twice in the first section. Now follow me along. The progress of the gospel comes through the testimony of God's people. You must share the gospel, my brothers and sisters. You must share the gospel. You must share. You must find a way to speak to your children. If you talk to your kids about everything else, but you don't talk to them about God, shame on you. If you don't talk to your grandchildren about God, shame on you or your great-greats. When people hear the gospel, some respond. The seeds were sown. The sower sowed the seed, some of it on rocks. Right? Some of it on the weed patch. Some of it on just shallow soil. But some in the good ground. We, share the, we just scatter the seed. We've got some farmers around here. They don't just distribute it in one place. You scatter the seed everywhere. That's our job. Scatter it everywhere. When people hear the gospel, some respond and the gospel moves forward. God's people are encouraged to preach the gospel when they know others who are preaching the gospel. You know, if I see you doing it, I want to do it. It encourages me if I see you and you, you share your testimony of what you're doing. One of our men was sharing with me just recently. He'd been praying and God had put on his heart to go see a particular person. He was burdened about this person. And uh, he followed the Holy Spirit's direction, went and saw this person. This person said, I cannot believe you came to see me. I needed this. And he shared the gospel. Tried to do some kind deeds for this person. That's what we do. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Even tonight while I'm talking to you, is God putting on your heart someone that you must go and share the gospel with? Well, when we, we see others share the gospel and tell their testimony, it encourages us. Gospel progress comes through the fearless preaching of God's people. Don't be afraid. The gospel is advanced when, even when preached from the wrong motivation. Preacher might not always get it right. The friend might not always share everything we'd want him to do perfectly doctrinally. We get so sometimes caught in the weeds on this. But if you're sharing the simple gospel, rejoice. The gospel is being shared around the world, by the way, tonight. 
Rejoice that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached in the world today. It is being preached today. Todd's come back. We've, we've come back from India. We've come back from other places with all kinds of reports through the years. Uh, down in Cuba and other places where we've, we've, we've met with others who share the gospel. Rejoice. The gospel is being preached today in the world. God's people should pray for one another as we go preaching the gospel, and God always provides the Holy Spirit with support and opportunities to preach the gospel. Those who preach the gospel will never be put to shame. So, what do I do? Never doubt that God can't use you to share the gospel regardless of your circumstances. Trust that God will bless your testimony for the gospel. I don't have a... I don't have a testimony like I came from, you know, murder's row to salvation. Well, neither do I. I was saved when I was a nine-year-old boy. I mean, I did wicked things, but I wasn't like some stories you hear. Why do you want your testimony to be something else but what it is? Tell people how God saved you, where He saved you, and what He's done in your life. That's inside of you. You don't even have to pull your Bible out to do it. Rejoice in the preaching of the gospel in the world today. That's why I have spent since January bringing back to this church the finished work of Jesus Christ and the heart and foundation of the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is critical. What does the world need? The world needs to be saved. That's what the world needs. Salvation in Jesus Christ. Live with assurance that God will bless your testimony and share the gospel. Go and tell. Go and tell. God will be glorified in your life. Go tell it on the mountain, right? Over the hill and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that... Jesus Christ is, is Lord. Can anybody say amen? Go tell it. Go tell it, my friends listening. Go tell it. Somebody might be in the house with you right now. Go tell it. Let them know that Jesus saves. God bless you all. It's great to see you. Heavenly Father, oh, the joy of hearing Paul the Apostle, our, our brother in Christ, our teacher in this wonderful spiritual father to us. What a, what a joyfulness there was in this man's life in the midst of hard circumstances, cut off from all of his plans and activities, but there he was. He got to Rome, and there, unhindered and free, he shared the gospel. May we go and be unhindered. Loosen us up from our worries and fears, and may the Holy Spirit of God Tonight, this very night as I finish, put on the hearts of these dear people who are my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room and listening to go tell somebody about Jesus this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Hope to see you Sunday. Have a good, have a good evening.